Carl Wazinski here. You're listening to the Rising as One podcast. This is Aaron with the Rising as One podcast. Just to let you know, we have a split episode. This week you're going to have two episodes. So Dominic, kick us off with part one. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Rising as One podcast. This is Dominic, joined by my co-hosts, Kyle Mackey and Aaron Blau. How are you guys doing? You know, I'm just, just trying to keep my uh, my emotions in check and, and, you know, figure out what the hell happened last night. Well, it was a mixed sports weekend for sure with the uh, Sun Devil victory, uh, last-minute run by Jaden Daniels, and then uh, a, actually a really well-played game by Phoenix Rising. Uh, last night, and I'm looking forward to chatting about it. Definitely. Um, you know, before this really, before we really dive into the match, um, I hate to be the guy that that harps on officiating, but I really do think that the officiating, unfortunately, has to be the number one takeaway from this match because it had a direct impact on this match, and quite frankly, there were just multiple calls i went back and and rewatched it on espn plus so that i could really get a better view and not just be blinded by homerism up until the last 30 minutes it was it was pretty okay but the last 30 and especially the last 25 minutes were just so badly mismanaged um it, it just had a profound direct impact on this match both of monarch's goals are set up by calls that at best are dubious what are you guys' thoughts before we dive into the whole match? I mean, well, yeah, go ahead. Uh, you you go, go ahead and go, Aaron. All right. For me, I think, you know, it, it really, like you said, Don, it, it was a good match, I thought, up until a certain point where, you know, this referee made calls, as you said, very dubious that, you know, it's happened at a, you know a reasonable rate i feel like in the usl this season and, and it's something that you know people talk about and it's unfortunate that you know we see it here that it it clearly does influence the the end result and it, it's something that you know being in the second division you know some people say that this is what you have to deal with but i, I still don't think that makes it right i think you know that the League itself is looking to up its level of play, and I think they need to do that with their officiating as well. I mean, you know, this is just a bad advertisement for the league. Yeah, it's really odd because as I as I went back and watched the first half, I really feel like it was a fairly officiated match. Um, you know, there there's some little pieces here, little pieces there that you might disagree with, but and and of course, there's always going to be things that you see live. Um, that look different when you actually see them from, you know, based on camera angles and can slow some things down. Um, so first half really looked quite well officiated. Um, I think everything really starts to turn around that 52nd minute uh, when James Musa picks up a yellow card uh, for, you know, a, a per, probably persistent, uh, um, what do they call it, persistent... Um, Badgering? Uh, the, uh, <laughs> He clipped the guy's heels one too many times, right? Uh, yeah, like small fouls. Yeah, persistent infringement. Um, yep. So he picks up that yellow. And for some reason, as I'm as I'm look, watching the rest of the second half, it just seems like Musa, that any time Musa got involved, it just pissed him off. 
And it got worse and worse and worse until we see this weird thing that happens in the corner. I'm sure we'll talk about it a little bit more. Um, where Musa is a part of that as well. And everything just goes to hell from there. Uh, I think that the that Badawai, the center referee, was on tilt, didn't like being talked to by our players in the way that he was talked to, and really decided to show us who's boss. And you can't let the emotions get the better of you as a ref. I, I understand that you don't like feeling insulted, and you don't like your authority being questioned, but it's kind of like it's kind of like in baseball how an umpire can control the strike zone. If the umpire is going to call a narrow strike zone, calls on the edges aren't going to be called strikes. That's tough, but everyone's playing by the same rules. If you know, by contrast, the guy is calling a huge strike zone, a couple inches off the plate, and they're going to give him the strike anyways. As long as you're calling it both ways, everyone knows the rules, and for about. 65 minutes or so in this match it was being called pretty fairly both ways he was letting a lot of things go you know questionable smaller contacts go not whipping out cards too much and then the 70th minute for some reason the substitutes uh being upset at the assistant referee and at malik badawi the head referee that just set him off um we'll play some interesting audio about what he told rick Schantz after that incident um but it was something that rick Schantz had never heard in his coaching career that he would be sent off if the players dissented like that again um and then moments later he calls a questionable penalty and all hell breaks loose after that um the referee let the moment get to him that's that's my opinion here and he was just too caught up in his emotions and made some calls that you know even on rewatch do not stand up Yeah, yeah. No, you're you're absolutely right. And I mean, I'm I'm actually looking through, you know, the yellow cards and how they showed up throughout the match. And as you said, one yellow card to, to Monarchs in the first half, which I think you know was was a fair yellow card. And then we get Musa gets his yellow. And then this is where the train just goes off the tracks. Descent penalty or yellow card for Solomon Asante in the 73rd. And then we see Amadou Dia get his yellow card in the 86th. And then, you know, it, it just goes downhill from there. We see, you know, in the last 20, no, last 18 minutes, we see four cards shown out by this referee. And it, and just, you know, when you hear what Rick Schantz said, or what Rick Schantz was told by him, it, it just really shows, you know, that this guy was, you know, was letting everyone have it last night. And uh, sadly, we were the team that he chose to pick on. Yeah. Um again there i mean and, and not to even say that he was only favoring uh rail monarchs you know there was one sequence around the 59th minute where it looked pretty clearly like Dumboya had uh contacted a monarchs player well after he passed the ball the ref did not play advantage did not um and, and in my opinion it could have been a yellow card offense um but he didn't even uh pull out a card or even call it a foul or even give the advantage after Rising won the ball 15 seconds later. Um, and I think that started the frustrations, and then they just kept building up from there. So, uh, in any case, we're going to get into it more as we do this match recap, but let's let's get to the match because it was a very well-played match by both teams, and you know, if it wasn't for this officiating, I think this would have been a great 
advertisement for the league because I think the quality was high by both sides. So Aaron, do you want to take us through the first half? Yeah, so let's let's go ahead and we'll talk about the the uh, lineup a bit here. Um, lineup missing two key portions or two key parts of our typical starting lineup uh, with Junior Fleming's off doing international work. I did try to see yesterday uh, during the ASU game is when uh, Jamaica played. I did not was not able to see if Fleming's actually played during that um, uh, that match or not. Uh, but with Fleming's out, we th we see him in for we see Calistri in, uh, Lambert out on yellow card accumulation. Good to get that out of the way, um, and we see Musa in for him as well. Uh, rounding out the rest of the team, we see Lubin back in net uh, after Wazinski uh, uh, gave him a spell last week. Uh, backline Dumboya and Dia as your as your wingbacks. Whelan and AJ Cochran in the in the center. Uh, also, Bacaro and Aguinaga in the midfield joining Musa, and John and Asante playing their standard roles. Sitting on the bench, we have Carl Wazinski, uh, Kyle Bjornthin, Farrell, uh, Joey Farrell, Austin Ledbetter, Deweyji Mala, Jason Johnson, and Ben Spencer. Good to see Johnson uh, available for the match. Any, uh, you know, any questions? As I mean, that's. That's the lineup I would have put in, probably. Uh, Kyle, any thoughts for you? Yeah, I mean, it, we, we talked about it last week that, you know, this was going to be a preview of, of what, you know, a playoff match was going to look like for us. And, and this, you know, was the lineup I would have expected, especially, you know, given that Flemings was, you know, on international duty and Lambert was serving his yellow card accumulation. Um, no surprises here whatsoever. Really, you know, this was the lineup that we all wanted to see. And I, like you guys said earlier, I thought, you know, we played a great game looking at the stats statistically. The only, you know, stat that doesn't favor us is our, you know, sh our final shots converted. Our shooting accuracy um, was at 25%. But other than that, I mean, this game, Rising seemed to dominate. And it was just one of those nights to where, you know, the beautiful game just uh, doesn't go your way. My thought on this, uh, or one of my thoughts when I saw the initial lineup come out, is that I would put this batch of substitutes against just about any USL side and uh, and think that they could uh, pull off a victory. So I was I was a little confident coming into this match. Uh, Dom, what about you? Well, and and quite literally, we've seen these substitutes beat teams. Uh, these substitutes beat Las Vegas Lights on the road a month ago who is still not mathematically eliminated. So you have a good reason for being that confident in our subs. Um, one note on, on Fleming's, I just did see Jamaica's match yesterday. It looks like he did not start or get a substitute appearance. So he got out there, got to enjoy some nice weather for a couple days, but uh, did not get to take the field for Jamaica in their 2-0 win over Aruba. And they, they won their Nations League group. That's good for them. But... I think you guys are spot on quality starting lineup um, and AJ Cochran as we'll get to later I think he really redeemed himself in this match he's had some shaky moments in prior matches but today or last night I should say really redeemed himself with some key defensive stops when Monarchs was trying to counter so um, exactly the starting 11 that I would have put out in this situation and it worked everywhere but on the scoreboard. 
Yeah, and uh, match you know match started out uh, pretty even uh, in this. Uh, I'm, I'm going to pull up uh, the shot chart here. Um, in the first 20 minutes or so, we see Lubin challenged very very strongly. Excellent challenges by uh, by Real Monarchs. Uh, Lubin up to the task, saving both of those uh, both. Them, I believe were diving saves, um, so good stuff by him. We see pl- all all sorts of players get involved in this first half, um, including Amadou Dia, uh, who <clears throat> who has a shot, um, uh, shot in the first um, minutes match two. Uh, I'm we trying got, to think of we got to uh, talk about the first that that happens was. Well, we got to talk uh, about the Calistri shot that was nearly converted beautiful ball by asante um that splits the defense and it was a tricky angle but man when you see kalisri going far post you have to think that's in right kyle Um, yeah yeah absolutely i mean especially you know given kalistri's form you know previously in these past few matches he's been showing up this i actually said it to my girlfriend at this point this was a match that you know i expected kalistri to finish that because you know flemings is out we're going to rely on him heavily tonight. Johnson still is not back at full fitness, so we knew Kalistri would at least get 60 minutes. Um, and uh, really, I was very disappointed that, you know, if I think if he scores that, this match turns completely differently. We've seen it before. When Rising scores early, they're able to take over, especially at home. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that chance, I think, right there is one of those that it was so close that it, it, this was just the night. The balls were not bouncing our way. Yeah, that I had I, I had a great uh, photo of that police street shot that went off the uh, that went off the, the the right side post, and everybody was just looking at it, just knowing that that ball was supposed to go in the back of the net, um, really. <laughs> and uh, you can check it out on Twitter. I did post it up there. Uh, the shot was off target, and my focus was as well. So it's a little blurry, but I thought it was still worth it worth to post. Well, I'm definitely going to check that out right now, and uh, you guys will probably see it on our Twitter page if it's uh, good enough to retweet, which, knowing Aaron, I'm sure it will be. Um, what were what were some other thoughts on the first half? I mean, it, it seemed like Rising had a lot of possession, especially after that first 10 minutes, um, but a lot of shots off target. Yeah, I, I mean, exactly what you said. A lot of shots are off target was, was the biggest concern, I would say. But, I I mean, I wasn't that concerned in that we were getting all these shots off. You know, we have quality players on the field. Eventually, we were going to find that goal. Um, so I thought, you know, going into half, this was a very even match, difficult match. But, I, I you know, the match was still there. Rising clearly dominated in the first half, I think. There was a few good chances for, for Monarchs. But, I mean, their best chance, I thought, came... When it, the ball was deflected, I believe by Cochran in the seventh minute, and it ended up hitting our uh, our bar. But I, I really, you know, I thought Rising was, you know, had a good hold on this match, and they were going to come out and, you know, just take control in the second half. I found myself constantly saying to my, well, probably just trying to ease my own, uh, uh, my own nerves, that you know, oh, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. You know, one, at some point, one of these is going to be able to get through. And now that after a chance to sort of reflect on it and watch the replay a little bit, it really felt very sort of reminiscent of um, the beginning of the season. 
Um, and, you know, I, that was that's kind of interesting because beginning of the season, that, that's sort of what we were constantly saying to ourselves is just like, you know, all right, we're, we're getting our feelers out. But here we were actually making connections. It's just that the ball was going to the posts and it was going to the wrong side of the post. Um, and, uh, but I, I wasn't too worried going into the half by any means. Uh, um, our back line held up pretty well. There wasn't any major gaffes. Uh, I would say Dumbuya showed, uh, well, Dumbuya really played a better second half than the first half, or was more noticeable in the second half, but Dumbuya played an outstanding game. Amadou Dio was a little bit everywhere. Vaquero was showing, uh, showing some awesome skill. Um, this to be honest with you, if I'm looking and, and just looking at things on the field, um, other than the ball going in the back of the net, this is really one of our better games of the year. Yeah, I mean, as far as the the possession, the chances we were creating, um, this match eerily reminiscent of Colorado Springs earlier in the year, where a lot of chances are being created, we're seeing a lot of good things, it's just, and of course, another Four Corners Cup match where the final product was just a little bit off. But at halftime, you're still thinking, all right, we're right there. This is here for the taking. Like, there's no reason to not feel confident going into the second half of this match. Yeah, no. so, no. Well, I'm just counting the shots. I mean, uh, they had two shots. We had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. We had ten shots in the first half. I mean, it, it was just it was all us. And the possession, I think we had uh, a little uh, a little better than sixty percent possession, although it felt like even more than that. Um, so, first half, pretty pretty well played. Uh, but then, well, kudos saw- kudos to Andrew Putna for a great save on Asante too in the 38th minute yeah that save was ridiculous that might be a save of the week that was a great save well that and the the Calistri one the second half too yep oh you're talking about the save at like the 28th minute or so on on the just the turn and turn and pull yeah yeah that quick shot from asante dude that was that was just absolutely gorgeous i don't know if my head was down at that point or what i didn't even remember it live uh, but on the replay, it just looked beautiful. Well, seeing it from where we were in the supporter section, I mean, that shot was destined for top corner. Um, yep. <laughs> and really, I mean, it wasn't even it wasn't even one of those where it was placed towards the keeper and they can make it look stylish with the save. Like, he really had to go full extension there. So, um, you know, Putna had a great match for Monarchs, but still, we're thinking that we have a lot of the momentum here and it's only a matter of time um, so we get to the second half Corey Whelan has a shot that um, unfortunately there's not enough pace on it but then Solomon Asante has another shot on target and so now we're even starting to get shots on target too um, then we have that we have that first uh, yellow card against Musa and it's definitely a foul it I don't have any problem with that being a yellow card. And that's what the commentators were saying, too, that it was a counterattacking situation. Um, if it wasn't a counterattack, maybe it's not a yellow, but I don't I don't think necessarily that's the moment that set things off. To me, it's 59th minute when I don't know who was attacking for Monarchs up the left wing, but um, 
fouled pretty late by Dumboya and nothing called, no advantage given. And that was just, it was just odd. Because at that point, you're thinking, all right, he's really letting everything go. Um, you know, expect it to have to be a very obvious foul for anything to be called. And then things change after that. Well, we're, you know, we're still putting shots in there, and we're seeing shots from all sorts of different players, too. Uh, Bacaro has a shot from <clears throat> from uh, the top of the key. Um, Musa, Musa. He, Musa even <laughs> has a shot, and I think he skied that just a little bit. Um, I, I was speak, talking with some, uh, some of the Cronkite students who were out there as part of their, the, um, their sports photography class. And uh, they don't know the players too much, so they see the shot and they're like, oh, it's a little off target. I'm like, yeah, he's kind of a defensive midfielder. He's not supposed to do that. <laughs> um, but everybody's involved. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at the, this shot chart. It's 4, 19, 41, 10, 20, 21, 21. I mean, we, we're just plugging away. And finally, they start plugging away as well um, with, um, let's see, who, who was that? That was... Uh, um, Michael, when Michael Chang entered the match, you know, and, th- and that might have been a key substitution for them. When Chang in- enters the match, the things really start ramping up a bit. Uh, Bacaro comes out in favor of Jason Johnson in the 71st minute. Good to see Jason come in. Um, and then a minute or two minutes la- or a minute later, Michael Chang, who I believe was their leading scorer last season, uh, comes on in relief of. Luis Palma, um, what you th- what were you guys thinking when you saw Jason come on? I mean, I was excited. I was thinking that's exactly the kind of X factor we need in this match. Johnson earlier in the year with a couple extremely clutch goals to prevent losses happening uh, in San Antonio and versus New Mexico. Um, so I was thinking that's exactly the guy I want on in that situation. If he gets an opportunity, he can capitalize. But I also want to mention two things that happened even before those substitutions. 68th minute, um, Adam John gave a ball to Kalistri. Kalistri had a great flick and then ripped a left-footed shot that really most days, either it's a goal or at the very least, the keeper has a tough time getting much on it and the ball is right there for Adam John to tap in on the rebound. You know, kudos to Putna here because this ball is zipping through several players. He doesn't have a lot of time to react. So he reacts and he gets a strong hand on it to punch it far enough to the side where Phoenix doesn't have a chance to get a rebound because Adam John was unmarked. If that ball is just softly uh, punched, if it goes straight up in the air or if it's just knocked down right in front, Adam John's going to easily tap that home. So don't underestimate how important that was. One, to even get to that ball, but two, to punch it as far away as he did. And then moments later, we had that sequence in the corner that we've already been talking about. Um, I, I I don't know who it was that, that had the ball up there in that corner, but it looked like he kicked the ball off of Monarch's defender there. It was ruled a goal kick for Monarch's, um, and, and six or seven rising subs were right there with a perfect view of the play. I think it was Dumboya. Um, and just in disbelief... No, it, it, it was- 
Yeah, it was Musa. It like uh, it was Musa. Musa set that whole thing up. Uh, I do want to. I want to bring up one thing about that Clay shot with the John John potential rebound. One thing I did notice, and um, if the fans didn't didn't know this beforehand, it, Phoenix Rising came in and they actually resurfaced the field over the past couple weeks. Um, so they had announced something about you know the field uh, doesn't the field look fantastic or whatever. So I don't know if they smoothed it smoothed it or or, or whatever. But I'll tell you that it was not draining very well. Um, on that particular play, John's coming up for the rebound, and he actually slips and falls. Uh, and lots of water came up. And if you watch the replay, you'll see uh, that there's a lot of water uh, in certain portions of the field, uh, a lot of water that's coming up on the backside of the ball. So I don't, you know, did that play a factor in a couple things? But I think, you know, it's potential that John has a better play on that ball except the field was just so wet maybe because it was uh the drainage is a little new i would say that i would say that putna put enough on that ball where john was trying to switch directions really quick and that's what caused him to slip so maybe maybe him slipping cost him the opportunity to get to the ball first but it's not like he's gonna have a clear shot on goal he would have had to probably cycle it back and start another attack which you never know what happens there but it was still well done by the goalie to at least prevent it from being a clear-cut, obvious rebound chance. Oh yeah, absolutely. It was great, 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 great. Um, and and in the in the following, in the following, I, I'd say build-up. It's not build-up. It was like the collapse of the refereeing structure entirely. Um, yeah, it was James Musa. So James Musa had already had a warning. He was already on a yellow, and he's off in the corner. Um, the the defender clearly plays it, uh, plays the ball and kicks the ball out. Should have been a corner, and the ball goes goes to the corner. And Duigi Mala, uh, as a substitute, off in that corner, goes. At, at they're warming up over there. They're probably a little bit too cl close to the AR. They probably shouldn't have been that close to the AR. But Mala and the person next to him, um, you know, sort of step over to the AR. And as they're doing that, you know, of course, Musa is never quiet in those situations. He's Moose is yelling at the AR. Uh, the Phoenix Rising substitutes walk over to the AR uh, along the touchline there. And I've never seen a referee run like this in a dead ball situation. I mean, he just flat out sprinted, uh, sprinted over. And gave the substitutes that were that were standing there what for, um, you know, is that good refereeing that you're defending your AR, especially from maybe some players that shouldn't be so close to him? I, I don't know. And and then he comes over to, to speak with with uh, Rick Chance, and and at that same time, that's when Chang comes on. On. Should we should so we this play whole the sequence of events? Should we play the audio from that now, or should we wait till after the match to play that? I would love to hear what Coach Chance said about what the the center referee Badawi uh, uh, told him. All right, I'll do it right now. Uh, he got to. We got our player got to the spot first. Oh, this is the uh, penalty. I think they may have so maybe I'll play the clip after the penalty kick. All right. He talks about both instances in this clip, so um, 
as you say, Michael Chang comes on, and then, all, you know, this is all happening within a couple minutes. The the Kalistri shot, the incident in the corner, the double substitutions, and then seconds later, um, ball in the box after an initial shot uh, misses from Tate Schmidt. Monarchs keep some pressure on. They get they get the ball into dangerous areas, and they were doing a good job of that. But Julian Vasquez has it, and he he plays a ball towards the touchline. Amadou Dia steps in front of him, and Vasquez goes down. Dia maybe like puts his shoulder in front, but it's it's kind of like a basketball move where like you're boxing out the guy if you're going for a rebound. He was playing he was playing the ball. He was trying to make sure that he was in front of the ball, probably so that he could see it out for a goal kick. Um, Vasquez goes down, and the ref points to the spot. You can hear on the broadcast how how incensed the crowd was. I mean, they were just in disbelief. This is the kind of thing that was not being called all match long. And here in the penalty box, he points to the spot. That's This is the kind of stuff, like, you use the umpire analogy. This is the kind of stuff that gets managers kicked out of games. And this is the kind of stuff that, like, sets off brawls is when a referee makes an inconsistent call like that. There was no precedent for him to point to the spot in that situation. He does it anyways. And maybe if it's a different game where they're consistently calling those small contacts, you can understand it. But Dia isn't going in with any malicious intent. He's not extending his arms out on Vazquez. Um, he's just going in to step between the player and the ball. Could it have been a little less clumsily done, perhaps? But it, it was it looked like a decent defensive play. So, what what are you guys' thoughts on this penalty? I mean, this is one I had to rewatch, and it it still doesn't make much sense. Kyle, you take that first. Yeah, I mean, for me, I, it's I'm you know watching it back right now, actually at half speed and. And as you said, the real thing that I think upsets everyone here is is the precedence or, you know, the lack thereof almost. And it, it really was, you know, up until this point, players had been playing in a very physical manner. We hadn't, you know, had to worry about the ref influencing the game. But then, you know, I'm watching it right now. And as soon as, um, who was it that was fouled? Julian oh, Julian Vasquez. Vasquez. As soon as Vasquez goes down, the ref already has the whistle in his mouth and is blowing it. There's, you know, no hesitation. He doesn't take a second to even think about this, which, you know, in in my opinion, means he already has his mind made up. As soon, if there's a foul in the box, it's going to be a penalty. And um, as you said, on another night, if the ref, you know, was calling this consistently, if all these type of, you know, just, you know, scrappy fouls, we're, we're turning out to be fouls, um, then then I don't think it's such an issue. But, you know, up until this point, it had been very physical. He'd been letting the guys play, and then this is when he decided he wanted to, you know, have his stamp on the match. And I hate to say say this because it, it sort of perpetrates a, a myth within the soccer community. Um, being first to the ball does not absolve you of a foul. You can be first to the ball but play it dangerously, and it still be considered to be a foul or a cautionable offense. But Dio was first the ball, <laughs> and and he and he wasn't and he wasn't doing anything dangerous. This is this is like right. the, uh, the the example of this is the Tulsa match where they 
pulled out a red card on the Tulsa guy, who arguably was first the ball, but he was going in really recklessly with studs up. Dia wasn't really going in with any reckless intent here. He's just trying to see the play out, not trying to get the guy down on the ground at all. There's no extension of the arms. Um, but the ref points the spot here. And then to make matters worse, everyone's extremely upset, and Asante gets a yellow card for descent. It's just insult to injury. I don't know what Asante's yeah. yellow card situation is, but I don't think he gets too many, so he shouldn't be, you know, on the verge of a suspension. But did did those reset once playoffs come in? I'm sure they do. I think it is, but I think if you get like yellow cards in consecutive matches or something, you could you could see one. But I guess we'll have to see. Um, yeah, no, I mean, it really, it's, it's, I mean, it's just after the match that we had seen, you know, played for 72 minutes up until that point to see that call the penalty, it was just, it was confusing, I think for a lot of people. And then also, I mean, you know, going to the penalty that's taken by Mikel Chang, I mean, Lubin almost makes a save here. I feel like, you know, if he's just a little bit bigger, he's able to, to stop this. This was just, you know, heartbreaking one, two. I, I'm actually pretty surprised Lubin didn't save this. I don't want to blame yeah. him because it's very tough to even guess the right way on the penalty. You can't really, you can't really say a goalie isn't doing enough. But I think maybe if he jumps a little more confidently in that direction and really goes full extension there, he would have been able to make this save because Chang didn't bang it in with a lot of power here. Um, it was just past Lubin's fingertips, and I, he was not totally at full stretch. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I think, you know, he, he, as you said, he hadn't extended completely. And with that big mountain frame, I think if he does, you know, he, he blocks that. But, you know, this is where Rising was at. And, um, it, I mean, the one thing we can always say is this team's going to fight back no matter what. Well, and, and I, I believe that there was one earlier in the season on a different team of fastest goals scored by a substitute or something like that. But Chang was literally in for probably, like, 20 seconds of playing time before he scored this goal yeah i mean it's basically he comes in they call the penalty on the first sequence afterwards and then he takes it and makes it yeah 20 seconds may be generous um in any case you know that's his 13th goal of the year i guess which uh puts him in in shouting distance of douglas martinez for team leading score douglas martinez who didn't play by the way but um, after that, a little bit surprising to see Monarchs continuing to be aggressive and actually go for a second goal and very nearly get it in the 80th minute um, when a very good ball is played through the through the box and Kyle Coffey just misses getting a foot on it. Um, very surprising to see Rising not a little more aggressive after that. But as you say, then Ben Spencer comes on for AJ Cochran um, and we're full sheets to the wind at that point. And then we kick things into gear. John has a couple headers that just miss. But moments later in the 82nd minute, um, he gets on a ball. And then Ben Spencer makes no doubt about it, puts it in on the back post. I was holding my breath there, waiting to see if they were going to pull an offside flag up. But uh, no flag there, and it's 1-1. 
yeah, very nice sequence there. A couple sequences. Our crossing was was you know, was definitely on point, um, and this ball comes in off of the right foot of Mustafa Ndamuya, um, who, like like I said, I mean he 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 really showed a lot of um, a lot of range in this game. I was watching him, and as I was kind of again talking to these Cronkite reporters, uh, I said, you know, do you know much about? Are, are are you guys soccer fans or not? And um, oh, I'm sorry. That was a, that was a that, oh yeah yeah yeah. That was often boy. I, I rewound too fast. But we saw some crosses from uh, really good crossing coming in from various different sources. Uh, this particular one off of Demboya, I think it was one of his better games of the uh, of the season. Uh, just a lot of range, a lot of pace. His dribbling was outstanding. Uh, very, I think he's he's almost turning into Solomon Asante in some way, shape, or form because he's getting really crafty with the work. And this particular cross that he put in uh, kind of shows that. Well, and at this point, everything's on the line. Both teams are going for the win. Um, this is, with the Four Corners Cup on the line, this is one of those weird, very rare moments in USL that feels like a World Cup group because... It's coming down to the wire if, you know, whoever wins this match wins the Four Corners Cup. If it's a draw, New Mexico wins the Four Corners Cup. So when when we score, New Mexico fans are probably pretty excited because now you're less than 10 minutes away from seeing that trophy um, go back to New Mexico. Um, so both teams are, are giving it their all. They they want the three points, as, we've, as we said in the preview. One point doesn't do much for either Phoenix or Monarchs. Both teams have bigger ambitions than that. Monarchs trying to get up to fourth, possibly third place in the West. Rising trying to set the points record. So both teams are going guns blazing. And and weird, weird, right after this goal, again, Monarchs is on the front foot. More of the aggressor. Although, I think one play in the 86th minute that, again, just exasperates fans even more really plays a role in this um long ball played for kyle coffee and kyle coffee uh being closely guarded by dia i rewatched in lifetime it looks like there's barely any contact um but there's a foul called just outside the box and a yellow card given against amadou dia here um on the rewatch i can see why it could be called a foul um dia maybe shouldn't have had his arms out and maybe the ref also is trying to get some, you know, well, you got, you didn't get a yellow card on the penalty kick, so now I want to make sure you get booked for another foul. Um, but I think the foul, if there even was one in and of itself, definitely not a yellow card. Kyle Coffey definitely makes the most of this uh, minimal contact here. And, and the way he was calling this match early in this match and with Phoenix Rising in possession that's a no call. So it's just it's just a complete mockery of how you're supposed to officiate a game because I guarantee you if that exact sequence happens the other way, it's a no call. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm watching the replay right now and yeah, looking at it. Um, I mean, you just see actually Kyle Coffey and Mustafa Dumbuya. Coffey's, you know, doing his best to get away from the ref. And uh, Mustafa's, you know, just smiling, shaking his head, laughing. And 
And really, I mean, you just look at the picture here. I have it paused, and the referee's looking on, and, you know, you have Monarchs players who are getting in Rising's players' faces, and it, it just shows, you know, the referee may have been right there, but he had no control over this match. And well, and this, and Even this... though he was trying to, to influence it, um, I mean, he just he couldn't, he couldn't, you know, get these players' respect because of the calls he was making. It's just a joke call. It's a ridiculous... Yeah. Maybe Absolutely. you call a foul, but it's an absolute joke to call that a yellow card when there's minimal contact. And by the way, this is not the worst call he makes at the end of this match. There's another call that is so obnoxiously bad that I will go on a full rant for that one. Um, but this one... And, and it sets the tone for the red card sequence that happens moments later. Because of this yellow card, Monarchs put a shot on goal. Let's Chang again. Um, Lubin tips it over for a corner. And then they keep getting these set-piece opportunities. So there's players bumping up against each other in the box. There's a lot of opportunity for confrontation. We have to clear a couple corners away. Um, and so just, again, this massive players, all this tension in front of the supporters, um, lots of emotion there. And Monarchs gets to have all this constant sustained pressure on our net because of this ridiculous foul that was called Maybe not a ridiculous foul, but a ridiculous yellow card against Dia in the 86th minute because then we're not able to clear our lines for this whole time. And that's what leads into the 89th minute, um, right when Monarchs is about to take their third straight corner kick, the red cards come out. What, what did you guys see in this sequence? Because it was very tough to, very tough to see exactly what happened. Yeah, Kyle, I mean, you, you might have had a good view of that. It was so far on the other side of the field, and, and the replay just isn't that clear. What were you seeing from the supporters? I actually had made my way up to the up to the north goal at that point. Um, but, I mean, what I saw really, you know, <laughs> it's this play in the middle of the field, and, and, you know, Dia gets pushed down. Or, no, 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 So I'm sorry, Dia doesn't get pushed down. That's, uh, that's Musa who gets pushed down, correct? I, I didn't see that. It, it's possible, um, and I was still in the supporter section at this time. I even I even went back to rewatch this sequence on the ESPN Actually, Plus, and it's really difficult to tell what goes on because this kind of comes out of nowhere. Yeah, the camera doesn't really catch. I mean, much of it at all, like you said. Um, I mean, it, for me, I think this is just it's it's one of those moments that the ref, he's just he's absolutely just trying everything he can to get these players to listen to him but ultimately what it, what it came down to was you know he punishes you know the monarchs first but for me i think you know Whelan getting the red card he i mean there's just no there's no sense about it there's no I, there, I don't know what the violent conduct you know that that takes place here i would love to see you know what the referee puts down you know in his notes for this for this entire instant incidents because it really it, i mean it's just it doesn't make sense in for a referee who like we said up until you know the 70th minute he'd called a match that you know most of us would have said was a fair match so really at this point it's just it, it, it's absolute nonsense it seemed how many times do you see sequences like that where guys start shoving um i didn't see any violent conduct either i saw um Someone, one of our players may have nudged one of the Monarch guys at the box, um, 
or shoved him a little bit. I mean, that's, that that stuff happens on corner kicks all the time. Well, so 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 this is what it looks like. Whelan sets up at the top of the sixth. He's all alone. All right. He says something. I don't know. You know, and I don't know if he's saying to the to the Monarchs player or if he's talking to somebody else. Then you see Pliwa, Pliwa. You see Pliwa coming coming straight at him. Um, you know, looking like it could be looking like he's going to mark him, but obviously, but he's coming very aggressively, so aggressively that uh, that Ben Spencer notices it and starts shadowing him um, in in that, and that's when that's when uh, the referee uh, blows the whistle. Uh, Badawi blows the whistle, uh, even though the the corner kicker is take is setting to take that corner and Corey Whelan and Pliwa you know kind of go off go off into the corner and Lubin Lubin's over there so you know it's it's that's all set up set up by Pliwa Pliwa is uh, a good eight yards away from from uh um from Whelan and he came straight to him in order to start a confrontation and it's actually Ben Spencer who's really kind of in there in order to keep him separated. And I don't know how Corey Whelan could have possibly made a move or thrown because he had Spencer in between the two of them. And in that, you know, in this whole thing, Badawai immediately goes for the, you know, goes to red card for Pliwa and then goes and finds a. Uh, um. Yeah, then goes and finds Whelan, who is now standing off on his own, and he's like, "Who me? <laughs> what are you talking about? I was standing there, and this guy came, came over." And then, of course, Musa, who is the consummate teammate in these situations, you know, makes sure that that Pleewood knows where the bench is and how to get off the field. <laughs> there's there's no there's no need for red cards there unless there's true violent conduct like I know Pliwa starts coming in and he has his elbow raised but tensions tensions rise in these matches all the time you can have a stern talking to if you're if your MO is going to be let the boys play the whole match don't now try to overcompensate and say look Look at uh, the big stick I got. Here's a double red card. This could have very easily been, all right, let's whip out a few yellow cards. I mean business here, but let's get on with the game. You don't need to escalate it to double red cards. To me, what this looks like is like a frustrated parent who has little kids who are running all over them, and the parent didn't discipline the kid or do what they needed to do early in the situation. So now the kid's just used to, all right, I know I can get away with this. I know I can steal a few cookies and it doesn't matter. I know I can go to sleep late and it doesn't matter because I'm not going to get called out on it. I know I can make you pick up my toys even though I just dumped all the Legos in the kitchen. And now he's pissed off about it and he's taking out that anger on other people. He's taking out his anger in irrational situations and he's overcompensating. So now instead of, hey man, you got to pick up these Legos or you get a little time out, now the ref is spanking the kid and taking away TV for a week. There's no need for that. 
And, yeah, I mean, and you're not going to be taken seriously because everyone knows how much of a joke that is. I would love to see his feedback report from Pro on this. You know, the, the, these guys legitimately do get graded and, and whatever, but, you know, whatever. I mean, it, it's crap, and it, it continued to be crap. Um, after the, the corner comes, gets sent in, the corner gets parried away, I got to tell you, that was a, there was a beautiful shot by the Real Monarchs player that that had that needed saving by uh, uh, by Lubin. He oh, Tate just, Schmidt, yeah, that was a yeah. absolute banger to hit it that I mean, sweet. Uh, you know, on the kind of caught it on the volley. Um, Lubin had to press it out or pu- punch it out, and it was that that's a save of the week candidate for sure. And then here's another thing. So so Farrell comes on for Aginaga right before stoppage time. I'm Everyone in the stadium is wondering, all right, how much stoppage time is there going to be? There was no stoppage time in the first half when there could have very easily been a minute or two. Um, here we've had a ton of stoppages. We had, you know, two goals, a, ye- a couple yellow cards, you know, arguing before the penalty kick, the red cards, sub- many substitutions. For me, I'm thinking this is going to be at least six minutes of stoppage time. This has been, you know, a very long second half. There's been a lot of off-field stuff that has had to be taken care of. They only give four minutes of stoppage time. What is that? I mean, yeah, it's just, you know, another another example of where, you know, there was just a lot of, you know, questionable decisions in this second half on the officiating um it, it, easily you know there was I, I could probably go through and count like you said five to six minutes of stoppage in the second half um and, and and the only thing i can say is you know he probably just wanted to get this match over with so he didn't have to you know keep whipping his stick out that's what i was gonna say he knew he knew he was gonna be meeting some uh uh some voices uh from the red fury and banditos unified voices from red fury and banditos uh, um, as he walked off the field, and in- indeed, uh, they gave him some what for as the as the players and the officials made it off the field after the end of the match. Are we ready to talk about the worst call of all? <laughs> we haven't already. What are you talking about? <laughs> we haven't already. Yeah, let, let's get to it. Sadly, we have to. Second minute of stoppage time, Monarchs, um, and, and kudos to Monarchs for actually, you know, playing it, you know, playing us straight up and going for the win. I think a lot of teams that won one there would hunker down and, you know what, it draws a good result. You know, we still have two more matches. It's a very tough place to play. Kudos to them for going for the win here. But the ball gets played up on the left wing. Kyle Coffey's being closely marked by uh, Joey Farrell, who just comes on, and uh, Farrell is trying to kick the ball out of bounds, you know, just stop play. The ball bounces off Coffee, goes high in the air, and stays in bounds somehow. So that's a little unlucky. Um, and Coffee is able to control it, but he really has nowhere to go. There's not any teammates nearby, so he takes a touch, and he's uh, trying to play it behind him and run behind the ball. He falls on his butt. Farrell barely touches him, if he even touches him at all. His hands are down by his waist. I went back to rewatch this to make sure that I was justified in my in my fury about this call. 
that just has no business being called. The guy goes down on his own accord. Farrell does not touch him as he goes down, and the ref blows a whistle. This I don't know that I don't know that I agree with that. On on the replay, he might have had a little bit of jersey on the back, and you do see Farrell's hand move in a backward motion going toward, you know, I, I don't know. No, but I he, see he's what you're saying. Hands, but... He's pulling his hands away though, as the guy's on the ground. Like, look at where my hands are. I mean, maybe a, I don't. From where I was, and I was in that corner, that looked like absolutely nothing. And the and the the fans in the southeast corner outside of the supporter section are the first ones to get up and also say that looks like absolutely nothing, because those fans had a perfect view, you know, fifteen yards back, and they're saying what the heck. I saw a handful of jersey there. Where were you? I'm watching the replay in slow mo. I, I don't know if it's necessarily Jersey. To me, it looks like, you know, Farrell and Coffee's arms kind of get mixed up. Farrell's right arm is in his left, in his armpit almost, behind his back. But it looks like Coffee, he goes to kick this ball, gets a little bit off balance, like Dom said, falls on his butt. I don't know how much contact was really there on Farrell's part. But like we said, I mean, just another soft foul. I mean, this is, you know, this is this should not be, you know, the opportunity that it that it turns into. Um, but I mean, like we said, the ref had already, you know, made a few of these now, um, and it, it really was just. I mean, this was just, you know, throwing gas on the fire that was the fans at that point. And I'm gonna go back and watch this again because when I saw the replay, it looked like there was nothing there. Um, but just so, just so we can get get our takes yeah. in once and for all, I'm, I'm going look, back. Yeah, look right before before he fouls. Or I, I, I'm sorry, before he falls down. Um, like when they when they hit in the hit in the corner. I don't know. It might be there. Maybe I'm wrong. It wouldn't be the first time. All right. So let's see. So Putnam's banging the ball up the pitch, and this is about the time where. Farrell's tracking back. Great radio here for all the people that didn't already watch the match. I, that's not it. I don't see anything there. There's nothing there. Uh, Are you got to go on point two five speed than you to do. see something? <laughs> There's nothing there. That's that's absolutely absurd. I'm gonna try to see if I miss something here. We should do this every episode. Controversial calls, just go back, rewatch them. Okay. We're looking at it again. Ah, oh, man, that's. Aaron, I can it's, kind of. It's, I can it's kind still of soft, see, but I. I can kind of see where his I, right hand is behind white, the guy. There's some white jersey that's moving. There's, exactly. His yep, right that. hand is behind it. I don't know if it's on his back. I don't know if it's maybe pushing a little bit. I don't know if it just got a small tug of jersey. But he just falls on his butt. There's nothing there. That's it, it was a little weak. I mean, it was. And that's, that's my thing is is you look at it. Farrell is standing his ground. Coffee goes into him, bounces off as he's taking that shot and falls on his ass. I mean, yeah. I just I don't see it as being a foul. I mean, not in this situation. You know, over over near you know the the touchline. I just this is this is very tough for me. And I mean, you know, we're all obviously you know somewhat biased. Aaron's you know just trying to uh, 
trying to be that devil's advocate for us. But I, I really, I mean, this, you know, this, I think, given how the ref had called, you know, the match earlier, we could say match one, this is the second match that we were dealing with last night. Um, it, it really, I mean, this, this should not have been called. I think it was one of those things that it just upsets everyone because you just wonder what he's thinking. Usually, usually when a ref makes several questionable calls and they all benefit one team and not the other, and questionable is a very generous <laughs> term here, usually you see if there's even any shadow of a doubt on a, on a future call that could be considered questionable, they make the call the other way. Almost as an acknowledgement, like, yes, you know, like I did make calls a couple times that, you know, probably helped the other team out. Let's not let's not pile on here. It felt like he was just trying to give Monarchs chance after chance after chance to win this match. And there was no need for that. That's especially when you set a precedent for 65 minutes or 70 minutes that that is not going to be a foul. Any, you know, small contacts are not going to be fouls. You're going to play through that. Get off your butt. There was not one time in this match where Phoenix Rising got a call like that. Not once. And there were several times we went down, and that's fine. If you're going to call it that way, call it that way. But then don't, don't think that you're a tough guy and start changing how you're calling the match just because a few guys are getting under your skin. Your job is to be consistent. And there's, there's just, you know, Aaron, respectfully disagree. There's nothing there. That is just a terrible call in and of itself. And then when you throw in all the context and everything, it's completely unjustified. Even, even a match that I think of as a, as a match where there was pretty awful officiating comes to mind. There was a 2017 match against Swope where both their penalties were quite generous. Um, but then we got a an equally generous penalty late um, that Didier Drogba put in for a late draw. You know, sometimes you usually see the ref at least like, you know what? Yeah, maybe this, maybe karma should come back around, and maybe maybe I messed up a couple, and here's kind of a makeup. Or the, not once did that happen yesterday. The ref on every call, questionable and even calls that shouldn't have been questionable, was favoring them in those last 25 minutes. And it directly impacted the result. Yeah, so that and the result ends up breaking, uh, I believe, a 20 game home winning streak uh, that we have, or a 17 game home winning streak. I forget what it is. So I think it was 17 uh, unbeaten. They said winning streak on the broadcast, but we had a couple home draws this season, so. Yeah. Yeah, 17 home unbeaten streak uh, that stretches back to uh, the 2018 season. Um, in exchanging some uh, uh, some commentary with Joe Lowry uh, of Rising Tactics, you know, we both just kind of said, you know, it's kind of a we just didn't have the luck that we've had very, very much. Oh, as I'm looking at my, myself on the feed here, uh, we just did not have the uh, luck we normally have. Um, and we didn't have things fall. Things just didn't fall for us properly. Um, that That's really the, the, the long and the short of it. Ultimately, we, play, we played a really, really excellent match. I, 
I think we played a very good match. Um, and uh, you know, we're we're gonna we we've had plenty of chances, especially uh, and most recently in New Mexico, where we were able to uh, tie it up at the last second. And here, we're just on the wrong side of the wrong side of the track. Yeah, and I I don't think anyone should be upset about at at Lubin for what happened on that winning goal. I mean, a ball's played in. Um, very unfortunate that it goes through his hands, and then um, I think it was Coffee who cleaned it up for the win. But you know, he he made so many saves to keep us in this match. Um, you talk about the Tate Schmidt banger that that he saved at full extension. Those saves early in the match when it was still nil nil that he made, um, and in general, you know, doing a really good job when Monarchs was threatening on many occasions in this match. So I. I don't want to hear anyone criticize Lubin. It's it's a very unlucky thing that happened, but um, it, it really happens to everyone, and that's just tough. You know, he, I'm sure he's going to bed feeling bad about it as it is. You know, no need to no need to throw any hate his way. I don't think anyone was. I just feel very sympathetic in those situations. Yeah, no, I mean, the guy showed up, I mean, countless times last night, like you said, and um, it was unfortunate, and, and I mean, the one, one thing you can say is that ball, you know, came in with a lot of pace, a lot of power, and, you know, it was just, he wasn't able to catch it other nights, I think, you know, we see him able to, to grab onto that, and he gets down on the ground and covers it up, um, but yeah, I mean, it just was a night, it didn't, didn't bounce our way, but um, I mean, the one positive, you know, we can take out of all of this is, is this team is going to be fired up now more than ever after, you know, having, having a game like that. Um, it, it sucks in that, it, you know, some people will say that we've lost our form coming into playoffs, but, but I don't know if, if you can read too much into that. I think this team, you know, when they need to, they will find a way. And, um, you know, this is just going to be another match that we're going to learn from, from, you know, all of these lessons and, and move on and be a better team for it, I think. And so what what we may I, want I to hope, say is, I hope people do I hope people do think that we've lost our form. I hope people that aren't watching these matches say that we have two losses and a draw in our last four without actually watching the game tape. Because if you watch those matches, every single match the guys put in great effort in at least two of those matches there were if not three of those matches, there were some things that just were pretty unlucky. Um, that kind of just that kind of evened out all the luck that we had during our twenty match win streak. You know, I think that's things. What goes around comes around. We were had a few lucky matches during the streak, and now we've had a few unlucky matches where we weren't getting calls that we could have very easily gotten, and the ball was hitting the post instead of the back of the net. You know, that happened in Fresno. That happened last night. So, anyone who's been watching these matches knows that the guys are still playing well, knows that they're still playing as a team, um, knows that everyone's still committed to the mission at hand, and that they're still playing at a high level. You know, sometimes the things go your way, sometimes they don't, but I'm not worried right now. Well, one thing we may not see is we may, not, we may, may never see Tyler Terrence and Devin Kerr uh, announcing from the stadium again, because in two visits that they've come to broadcast live, we have two losses. So uh, <laughs> as much as I, I love those two guys, and it was just really amazing uh, getting to chat with them at the uh, soccer ball on Thursday, the big 
Phoenix Rising Youth Soccer charity event, uh, as well as a little bit after the game. Uh, guys, stay in your closet in Fort Lauderdale uh, and continue to broadcast from out there because uh, whatever you're bringing uh, brings the L's, and, and and we don't need it. We don't want those L's. Well, or do do something different before the match. Start a new pregame routine because I hate to break it to you, Aaron. Conference finals and a potential USL Cup final, they're going to be there. Yeah, and uh, we're going to make them broadcast from, like, the practice facility. We'll, we'll just <laughs> put them in a closet in the practice facility so they're not in a tower there. I like it. I like it. We can work with this. Sam, Jose, if you're listening, make this happen. Put them out on the practice facility or out on the practice field. Um Keep their juju out of the stadium. I hear there's a great place across the street. It's very elite. Uh, they can broadcast from there. <laughs> I know exactly where you're talking about, Aaron. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, if you're looking for... Uh... What, did I throw you off? What, 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 uh... Hey, um, certain elite establishment want to sponsor us <laughs> yeah we're, we're open to, to all kinds of sponsorships there are a lot of gentlemen that frequent our matches and our podcast and and we never swear so we are very gentlemanly oh yeah absolutely oh man uh what, what are you guys bringing this back to something a little bit serious I think we all need a laugh after that. Um, what are you guys' final thoughts on that match? Yeah, I mean, really, uh, you know, it as shitty and as patty as it is, my real final thought was I would have rather lost this match than drawn it because knowing that New Mexico had a chance at, you know, taking home that four corners cup, I, I would much rather have the real Monarchs and their, their few fans celebrate it. Right on. Absolutely. Oh, one last thing. We did have that audio queued up, so if you guys want to uh, have me play that for us. Yeah, let's hear what Rick Schantz had to say. All right. Touch the ball about this. Here we go. It wasn't a pen. Not close. Uh, he got to, we got, our player got to the spot first. Uh, I think they may have both touched the ball about the same time. Their guy went down easy. Every time Solo went down, we get nothing. So, again, questionable calls. The worst part was right after he, he came over and yelled at our guys that were off the pitch, he ran over and he says to me, if they do it again, you're out of the game, which I've never heard of in my life. Uh, and then two minutes later, he calls a pen for the other team. So that's, uh, I've no, I know Malik is usually a very good referee, but he likes to control the game in a different way. So I wasn't very pleased. What makes you switch, Pakiro? And then um, here's a small clip about his thoughts on the red card. Oh, hang on. Let's let's take it back to the top here. No one said anything to me. All I heard was that they said headbutt. That Corey headbutted the guy after the guy elbowed Corey in the face. Thoughts? Coach Chance is going to get a phone call from the league office on Monday. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But but I mean, you hear it there. He's he's talking very passionately. You know, he's 
he's definitely you know emotional about this and not happy whatsoever um but i mean you love to hear you know you love him being candid there and you know giving his real thoughts um but i mean yeah it, it really was you know just i'm i'm with him there it's it's one of those things that the referee definitely controlled the match in a interesting way and kudos to owen evans um a great follow by the way if you're interested in in knowing about rising he's been covering the team full-time this season he is at oj evans 18 um owen has done a great job traveling to most of the away matches as well as attending all the home matches and just he even gets into a lot of practice sessions and he's just done a great job of making this excellent coverage more accessible for people so um definitely give him a follow he's the one that posted those clips and if you're a legit media outlet that happens to be listening to us, first of all, I'm sorry, but hire him, please. I mean, he's out, just an outstanding, outstanding man. Yeah, absolutely. He's he's one of the pages that, you know, every day I go to to look at his page around, you know, training time because always, as you said, the interviews that, you know, previously we've never had this kind of coverage before. So absolutely help this kid out. The Rising is One podcast is sponsored by the Arizona Sports Complex, home of the North Phoenix Soccer League, Summer Futsal, Box Lacrosse League, and Summer High School Advanced League. Please visit the Arizona Sports Complex and tell them the Rising is One podcast sent you. This episode is brought to you by Roughneck Scarves and Golden Gold Press. Thanks to our sponsor, Golden Gold Press, the best choice for you to get custom shirts, hats, mugs, and other items just yourself and your organization. Check out their amazing products at a fraction of the price from other places at goldengoldpress.com. Also, thanks to Roughneck Scarves, official scarf supplier to MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. Thanks also to the Beautiful Game Network and all the other excellent podcasts that you can find covering soccer and all things USL. (laughs) 